Welcome to another episode of the Como Politicast. A lot happened in politics this week, not the least of which was the impeachment of President Trump. But we're going to talk locally here about what's going on at the Seattle City Council. I'm joined, as almost always, by uh, Como's Matt Markovich, who covers City Hall for us. And some big changes coming in 2020. We already have the change in makeup as a result of November's elections, but then some of the rules and some of the committees are going to be changing quite significantly. Yes, the changes, uh, they're going to be reorganizing the committees. They're actually going to be scaling them back in terms of numbers, but they already talk of one select committee coming up, which we could talk about. Um, uh, and also the voting strategy of the committees. Up until now, the chairman of the committee... Uh, or anybody on the committee, for that matter, it shows up at a committee meeting, it can pass legislation out of committee with just one vote. Now, that's changing. And that's something we noticed earlier this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, many council members, usually the committee chair sits there and can pass total legislation out of committee to go to the full council. It doesn't become law when it leaves committee. Without any debate or any opposition. Absolutely. So now, uh, the it has to be three people there, which is going to force some council members uh, to show up. And there's been accusations by some of the incumbent council members that are still on the on the dais uh, that they haven't been showing up for the committee meetings. So this is going to make them show up to these meetings and listen to the testimony and actually engage in some debate on these issues and have a vote of at least three people, either two, one or three, zero, uh, to go have bills go to the full council or not. And this and, and that may seem like not a lot of people. Keep in mind, there's only nine members on the Seattle City Council, so it doesn't take a whole lot of consensus to get something done at Seattle City Hall. No, it doesn't. And this is supposed to just kind of bolster that up, make it stronger. And there's going to be a reorganization of the committees. There's a lot of committees. Uh, I almost want to say a dozen right now, including the select committees like on arenas and homelessness. Uh, So they're going to have a reorganization of that and hopefully streamline some of the committees. Some of these committees have multiple names to them, uh, three or four subject matters per committee. We haven't seen the structure of the new committees, but uh, we're going to be interesting if there are going to be four or five names per committee. But this is something that happens on a semi-regular basis. You get a new council in, they restructure how their committees are set up and who takes what legislation and and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So this isn't really out of the realm of ordinary, is it? No, it's not. I mean, it happens. Um, and they also want to streamline. But I think the significant thing is what we just talked about, the, the voting of the committee to get the bills out of committee or have them canceled outright. And that's one thing we saw, particularly with regards to homelessness over the last year. I don't know how many council meetings that we were looking at where it was uh, the, the chair of whatever committee was there. They call mm-hmm. the yeas and nays. All mm-hmm. of, you know, yay. Without any opposition, this is declared passed and is now forwarded on to the full council. And part of that change is that uh, it used to be that uh, if you're at a committee meeting and all the council members show up, so most committees have five people mm-hmm. in their committee, so you have a council of nine, so you have five on a committee. Um, if all the council members show up, you could have a 9-0 vote or a 9 one even, even if those four other members aren't a member of the committee, they are allowed to vote in that committee? They are allowed to vote in the committee if they show up. Not anymore. It'll be just the members of the committee that will vote legislation in or out. Now that seems a little bit more, for lack of a, for want of a better word, normal with the way the legislative process generally works in in the the House and the Senate, and then now the Seattle City Council seems to be, uh, again, want for want of a better description, cleaning up some of this this process. But what does it mean for 
the upcoming legislation we're expected to see here in 2020. We've got the new homeless authority uh, that's coming down the pike. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in in greater detail. Uh, You also have a lot of changes coming as far as uh, campaign finance with the 2020 election. There's a lot of things that this new and... uh, arguably more liberal Seattle City Council wants to do. That's right. Uh, Lorena Gonzalez, who spearheaded that after the November elections, and the most notable uh, reason why is the $1 million Amazon contribution in bulk. They ended up almost giving $1.5 million over the two, uh, the primary and the general election, to the council races. $13 million spent overall in the council races this year. That's unheard of uh, at a city council level, even at a city the size of Seattle. So Lorena Gonzalez, speaking about committees, has just floated the idea uh, on Thursday that the council should create a select committee on campaign financing. I'm just kind of paraphrasing the word that she may use and asking uh, council members to create a what's known as a select committee, which is actually the full council on just this one idea. That's how important she's saying it is. And so the campaign financing uh, bill, which she's calling clean campaigns, uh, it would be somewhat revolutionary in the U.S in the United States for a city council to enact its own campaign financing laws and rules and basically limit what she's going to do is limit uh, PAC money to $5,000. And uh, on Thursday, she closed uh, a loophole that some critics of the clean campaign uh, legislation I talked about, which a uh, loophole that would was intended to allow grassroots efforts, a.k.a. unions, uh, People involved in unions to participate, uh, contribute $500 each time uh, with almost no limit. Um, and they, they felt that a lot of people who are fairly wealthy connected to PACs could use that same loophole to donate money to a particular candidate. So on Thursday, she uh, made an amendment to her legislation to close that loophole and drop it down to $100 per donor. And $10,000 max per year per donor. Um, so that's a significant change. That, that would could reduce a lot of big money. So no, no one like, someone like who, um, if you look at the campaign statements uh, this year, a lot of executives from Amazon, big tech companies, donated a lot of money, uh, six figures, to candidates. Well, that won't happen as the way I read this legislation going forward. Well, and, and this is something that she's talked about for a while. I remember the the rally that you and I both covered at Amazon headquarters a few weeks before the election, and, and she was there breathing fire and brimstone saying that she's going to enact legislation that would limit PAC money but allow union money. On its face, this thing's going to get challenged and likely get struck down by the courts in light of Citizens United just a few years ago with the United States Supreme Court. So is she tilting at windmills here? Um, I don't know. I think I think she's being smart. Uh, I mean, she got some legal advice from the accounts that I read about this, and there was some thought that already, you know, uh, why avoid a uh, legal challenge while you're crafting it? And this was apparently going to be one of the large legal challenges that was just staring them at the face. Like, well, let's nip it in the bud now. And so she closed that loophole. And I think I think that's smart. I don't know if it's poking at windmills. Uh, I think it's a legitimate criticism of the of the Clean Campaigns 
uh, legislation. But again, this is really in the initial stage. They're, on Thursday, they were going to talk about uh, possibly passing. It was the first time they actually introduced it at the committee level. And then she decided, you know, let's hold it to the next year. We're going to have a different council. Uh, it's a big issue. And let's make a select committee. So that's a, kind of the big news, having its own committee to talk about just this legislation. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll have more with Matt Markovich and the latest on the Seattle City Council when the Como Politicast continues after this. Information is power. Everything you need to know before you get to work. The Como Morning News on the Northwest's only all-news station. Como News 1000, FM 97.7, and ComoNews.com. Welcome back to the Como Politicast. I'm Jeff Pogela, joined by Matt Markovich, who covers City Hall for us. Uh, we've been talking about the new makeup of the Seattle City Council and some of the things they're likely to tackle in 2020. But one of the big things that both the City of Seattle and King County have to deal with is the homeless crisis, which has been around since 2015, since it was declared by then-Mayor Ed Murray. Uh, and it's only gotten worse. City's still spending tens of millions of dollars on this, as is the county, but now there's the new regional homeless authority and so what happened this past week with well it became official uh what happened is that the city council ended up passing what the king county council had passed basically passing this framework uh of a regional homeless authority that was brokered behind the scenes between the king county council members and the seattle city council members Um, and eventually the king county council passed it the next step was the city council to pass it. And there were concerns that about the makeup, whether or not uh, people on what's known as the governing board, a 12-person board that actually is the ultimate authority for it, whether uh, the people, there are supposed to be three people of lived experiences, uh, experience who are formerly homeless, they're on that 12-member panel. But nine of those 12 members are going to be politicians. So there was some concern that in a, in a major vote, that the politicians would win out over the people of lived experience. So that's still debatable all the way. There's still some issues with that. But what the Seattle City Council did in a fairly unusual move is they, they passed the, the framework, but they also passed it with this attachment strictly for the Seattle City Council, uh, where it basically said that you know, for future councils, it it doesn't kind of it kind of encumbers maybe a future council on how to look at the authority because the Seattle is spending seventy three million dollars in the first five years to get this thing up and running, and city uh, the King County is spending fifty seven million. So the bulk of the money that's supplied to the authority is coming from the city council. So, but the way this attachment is written, if if the Seattle City Council, future councils, think that it's not following what's known as evidence-based practices or the issue about uh, uh, a major supermajority vote in the governing board, that, that hey, you know what? It's okay. You know, if you don't think it's following what Seattle believes in, future councils, go ahead. You can pull the rug out from under it and not fund it. And that's exactly what it can do. So, it, but passed, I mean, was there pushback from King County on that? Um, well, no, not at all. They, King County didn't vote on it. So, what they voted on, like the entire bill, uh, we'll call it, think of it the authority. King County said yes, we accept all the conditions. You went to the Seattle City Council, they said yes with all the conditions. And on Thursday, 
uh, it was a Wednesday, sorry, Dow Constantine and Jer- uh, Jenny Durkin, King County Executive Constantine and uh, Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin, signed the legislation that made it happen. That's the only real people that needed to make this thing happen, was those two signatures. The council supplied the money. Um, so what those two signed was the actual framework. They didn't sign the, uh, for the attachment. That is only for a future Seattle City Council to consider. Kind of like, a oh, by the way, here in Seattle, these are our concerns. And if these concerns aren't addressed going forward by the authority, we're just letting you know, advance warning, you know, that we could pull the rug out from under you. Well, and they absolutely could. So put that little feeling of uncertainty in the back of people's minds. So the, with the, the legislature, with regardless of what, what government you're talking about, has the power of the purse, yes, but this seems like a, a blatant power grab by the Seattle City Council because then they could use that as leverage over the home regional homeless authority and over King County say, you're going to do it our way or we're not providing the money since they're the ones providing most of the funds. Yeah, and that's always been the fear. It's either Seattle's way or no way. I mean, that's kind of been the fear for the smaller cities that are involved, uh, for a lot of critics of the homeless authority that the big bad Seattle will want its way and if it doesn't get its way, they'll stop funding it. Well, guess what? That's absolutely true. <laughs> I mean, the Seattle kind of said in this attachment that these are the conditions we would love to see this authority to follow and we're encouraging you to do this we want you to do this you don't have to do this but you know it's like if you give your keys to the car to your son and say be home by midnight if but if you're not and you're back by one you may not get the car next time you know (laughs) we have to take another quick commercial break but when we come back we'll have more with matt markovich and the major changes coming to the seattle city council after this everything you missed while at work update and unwind on the way home the como afternoon news on the northwest's only all news station como news 1000 fm 97.7 and comonews.com welcome back to the como politicast i'm jeff pogel i'm still joined by como's matt markovich we're talking about this new regional homeless authority which will have 25 people divided between two committees plus a ceo but none of them are elected to the positions. The only three, pe- the only two people that are absolute definite on it is the mayor of Seattle and the King County executive. That's the only two people that are positively going to be on it. The rest are made up from uh, the council members. So you have this, the mayor of Seattle and then two council members. You have King County Executive Dow Constantine and two King County council members. And then you have three members of the Sound Cities Association. And those are all elected officials representing the 38 other cities in the county. So it could be the mayor of Auburn or it could be mayor of Redmond. You know, it's, But those are all three elected officials. And then you have three... Uh, people of what they say of lived experience, basically formerly homeless, who will be appointed in a way by an, uh, a, a board and suggested by the imp- implementation board, you know, the, the executives and other things. So even how those three get appointed is there's a whole other structure. So, but, that. but bottom line is the voters don't have any say on who is on this committee. It, Yes, but in, indirectly by voting for their electeds in their area. So in a way, 
voters throughout the whole county have a say-so, even if they, their particular mayor is not on it. And it, much like Sound Transit and how it operates. Think of it like Sound Transit, but the one thing that they did was a huge decision by creating, not making it what's known as a PDA, a public, uh, basically like a public improvement district, a, a district like Sound Transit, which would have taxing authority. I mean, the... Sound Transit can go to the state legislature. I mean, we all know that. That's mm-hmm. what they do. They tax us on our car tabs and add, or add RTA fees. Well, they made this an, uh, an ILA, interlocal agreement, which is basically an agreement between cities and counties with no tax. This board has, this governing board has zero taxing authority. So it can't do independent taxes, raise property taxes just to pay for the authority. Can't do it. Because it relies on the funding from Seattle. Yeah, and, and that, and, and again, we're talking at the genesis of this thing. Mm-hmm. Two or three years down the line, will it be that, you know, somebody's dissatisfied and threatens to pull the funding? Well, you can't do that with sound transit because of how they, the whole tax structure. You can't do that with any kind of public improvement district that's going to tax uh, a lid tax of some sort. But you can do it with the authority because right now it's just King County and Seattle. And if one of the two decides to cut back on some of the funding or even give more funding, you know, that's it. It's two. There's two pocketbooks. There's two checkbooks involved in this. And the 30 other cities have no financial requirement to participate in this. They want to participate socially and with services and, and be part of it, but no, they don't have to write a check. It'll be interesting to say the least in the next few years. Como's Matt Markovich, thank you so much. You're welcome. And that will do it for this episode of the Como Politicast. I'm Jeff Podula. Thank you for listening and have a good week.